Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we're exploring not only the digital revolution that's changing everybody's lives, but this wild mix of digital revolution and COVID-19 pandemic and all of the things that have come from that to change in how we live, how we work, how we play, uh, how we try to move forward in this crazy world today. So we've got one of our great guest speakers. It's Peter Stubbe from ETR. This is uh, Stubbe on spending. This is Peter's back for his, his third session with us here at Cloud Wars Live. And Peter's company has 10 years worth of data that tracks what's going on uh, with some of the securities markets and the big tech companies and offers some very interesting perspectives on past, current, and future buying tendencies. Peter, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's great to have you. Thanks so much, Bob. It's good to see you again. And uh, I want to give you a quick kudos for all the work that you've been doing over the course of the past earnings season. Uh, it's been very helpful for myself and my peers in the office. Uh, so thank you for your contributions there. And I'm excited to provide you guys a few updates today. No, it's, uh, Peter, great. That's, uh, that's good to hear. You, you've uh, you know, been on the mark with a number of these things. And certainly I know coming in today, you mentioned that uh, so much action in the cybersecurity space even if you go back to, you know, February, January, when, uh, you know, before the whole pandemic hit, there was a lot of interest there. And now since then, you've said there continues to be, you know, a heightened amount of interest there. So tell us a little bit about what's going on on that side of things. Yeah, absolutely, Bob. So, uh, you know, one thing that has been a consistent theme throughout the course of the large scale CIO surveys that my company conducts, as well as the interviews that I lead, uh, with the CIO respondents is that cybersecurity has just continued to increasingly be uh, top of mind for enterprises uh, globally and, you know, especially large enterprise. I think that that has been continuously or altered or even accelerated in the same type of tune or the same uh, side by side as the movement towards digital platforms, digital transformation and the cloud. Uh, so there's a lot of things to keep in mind. Uh, it's very important to stay safe when you're working to a work, when you're moving to a work from home or remote infrastructure. Uh, I think that it's worth bringing up a few of the companies that may be benefiting from that. Uh, you've already seen it in a few of their reports as well. Um, there's three basically areas of cybersecurity and I'll pull up a visual because I know that okay. he always likes the visuals of uh, ETR surveys. So what I've done here uh, on the screen is isolate all the respondents to our April 20, 2020 survey, uh, those that cited they are either intending to adopt or increase their spend on AWS, Google, or Azure. So the primary three or the main three public cloud providers. What is the strength of their coinciding spend within information security? And I've highlighted some of the companies that I'd like to talk about today. Uh, there's three, as I mentioned, there's three specific areas. Uh, access management. So when you think about a remote workforce and having to manage those individuals, whether it be give them access or remove their access in the case of furloughs uh, or in the case of you know, unfortunate uh, laying off of employees, it's very important to be able to do that in an automated and quick fashion. So there's a handful of vendors that are helping with that, uh, but I'd like to point out three specifically that look very good in our survey data. And we've also heard in interviews to be uh, great solutions. That would be SailPoint, Okta, and CyberArk. 
And uh, the next area would be your network security. So as things move to the edge or as, thing, as computing moves to the edge, uh, there are companies that are benefiting from that as well. Uh, these folks more traditionally fall under uh, content delivery uh, networking, but uh, they also have uh, cloud security solutions. And those are names Cloudflare and Fastly. Uh, they compete with a traditional, more traditional company called Akamai. And what our research and what our surveys is telling us is that there is an increasing number of people that are moving towards those platforms versus the Akamai or more traditional CDN platform. Uh, lastly, a company that I'll highlight is uh, really focused specifically on cloud security and cloud access, and that would be Zscaler. Uh, the company has performed especially well within our survey uh, and notably with those that are either adopting or increasing their spend on these public cloud providers. So um, the last point that I'll make in terms of the, what I've brought up on the screen here and the response to the surveys is that you're either seeing a higher overlap of people with these public cloud providers or stronger spending intentions or both. That's why I've highlighted them. And as, as you know, I've, how I've explained, Bob, we're very keen on those two metrics in terms of uh, understanding and analyzing our survey response. It's, are there more people citing the vendor and are they citing more positively? And that's, in this case, that's what's happening uh, within cybersecurity for those vendors, for the folks that are increasingly moving to the cloud. Peter, are you able to uh, blow up the bottom right portion there of, of, that, of that shot? Because I know you've got some great data in there from ETR, and I just want to give everybody a little uh, better look at that. Yeah, of course. So this, uh, you know, obviously information security is a very uh, broad sector, so there's a yeah. lot going on here. But what you can see is basically the response to recent surveys. So if you're seeing a delta between uh, the vendor that you're uh, isolating and, lo and looking at, that means that year over year, or since the survey was conducted last, there's been a, a acceleration in the overall strength of spending intentions. Uh, so uh, for instance, I will pull up, it looks like Fastly just has high. Uh, let's see here. SailPoint is a great example of that. We have the gray bar, uh, it being the indications of last year, and then the yellow bar being the best comparison, year over year comparison, and you notice the delta there, that's very impressive. That's what we, uh, that's what we value and that's what we like to see in terms of acceleration towards spending with that company. So Peter, if you know, you think about it over the last eight or 10 weeks, we've heard whether it's CIOs, CTOs, or other high level uh, IT decision makers and business leaders who are involved in these purchasing decisions. Some have said, hey, you know, we're, my company's in an uncertain revenue situation. We're going to readjust uh, our priorities for spending. It looks from yeah. what you've described here as if cybersecurity continuously makes the cut for what continues to get the funding. Absolutely. I don't think I could put it better myself, Bob. Uh, that is a area of priority pre-COVID and now post-COVID, it is something that has continued to stay top of the list. Um, obviously, you know, we've talked in my past conversation with you about cloud acceleration and moves towards digital transformation efforts that were already in place and seeing an acceleration there. Um, the areas that are maybe being cut back are the projects that 
uh, are related to maybe analytics or kind of the cool, nice to have new tools, uh, things that make um, areas of the enterprise look prettier. But really the primary focus for CIOs today is keeping the lights on and accelerating things that make their business better. Peter, just on that, and I, I don't yeah. expect you, although you always surprise me with the richness <laughs> of how much data you do have, um, but uh, the CEO of ServiceNow, Bill McDermott, uh, was at the JP Morgan Investors Conference last week. And one of the things that he said was, uh, I think he said a survey from Fortune, which said that there was a, a huge percentage of CEOs out of the, the number that they talked to who said they were maintaining or accelerating the digital transformation initiatives and that there were a handful who said, no, we're not. And I, I just got to scratch my head sometimes and wonder what are those folks thinking that, you know, when stuff does begin to kick in again, when business starts to get back to normal, if you are really, if you're out of phase with your buyers in January, February, March, then you're really going to be out of whack with them. Uh, you know, sometime this summer when things start to open up a little bit, uh, I just wondered if you had a, uh, as you described those priorities that business are having, keeping the lights on important, but I wonder if digital transformation now has become part of the lights. Yeah. On. Yeah. I would, I would say that that's probably a pretty good way to put it, Bob. Uh, rather than bring up a, a number of different visuals or ideas to, to show that what I can share is that We've had the opportunity to conduct a series of panels, series of one-on-one -on -one interviews with CIOs, uh, probably around 20 or 25 over the course of the past few weeks since the pandemic's outbreak. I would say that the majority of them are, with the exception of major, major disruptions to their businesses or businesses that are being shut down for, for reasons uh, because of COVID, mm -hmm. I would say the majority of them are holding their spend steady. So that means that, you know, they're, you know, while there's certainly a, an impact overall, there's a counteractive weight or a pendulum is swinging back the other way of their spend towards the cloud, spend on SaaS. Um, you know, I still think that it, it's fair to say that overall IT spending might be down <laughs> this year just because of the general overall impact. But there is definitely an element of counteraction when it comes to people moving more intensely towards the digital platforms. Yeah, Peter, that's a great insight. Thanks for that. Um, now, one other company that you had mentioned beforehand, uh, and it really, you know, when Microsoft's numbers came out a couple of weeks ago, it was, you know, that booming quarter and the CFO Amy Hood just said, we really did not experience any impact from uh, COVID-19. Uh, Microsoft's security sector, you know, you, yep. you feel continues to do well, right? Yeah, no, I think that that is a area that maybe uh, might be a little bit surprising for people to hear that a company like Microsoft has successfully expanded uh, their security platform to be attractive to CISOs and security officers at large enterprises around the world. Uh, and it's not just a play on bundling their other services, it's that they're actually displacing other third-party vendors like in email security, uh, or uh, they have a new SIM product in a product called Sentinel. Uh, and it just seems almost um, akin to what they did with Microsoft Teams or Power BI, where they launched and then just continued to continue to improve their products. 
to the point where people that are closely aligned with Microsoft would be silly not to evaluate them because of the, the bundling opportunity and the platform opportunity of just working that much more closely with Microsoft. I will say just on uh, a general qualitative feedback is that uh, maybe it, it's not today that uh, Microsoft is truly displacing, say, a proof point for your email security, but two, three years from now, that's a very viable uh, possibility based off the progress that they've been making uh, as of late. And Peter, along those lines, I think uh, in addition to the factors that you've cited there regarding Microsoft, uh, I think from two, two and a half years ago, you started to hear Satya Nadella talk about uh, for, you know, for Microsoft's customers, their digital estate. He didn't talk mm -hmm. about, you know, this slice of it or this slice. He said, we're among the only companies that can address the entire digital estate from the biggest part to the smallest. And as technology, as digital technology becomes embedded in everything and cybersecurity becomes, you know, end to end, you know, fully ubiquitous, that could be, you know, another one of those reasons why Microsoft is, you know, the uh, $1.3 trillion gorilla in the room. Yeah, no, I think that as much as, especially security officers at times might be hesitant to place risk in all in one particular vendor or one particular platform, uh, the reality is that for many organizations, ease of access and ease of implementation just sometimes will trump the risk that's involved there. So especially as the products uh, continue to improve, I think that that will only continue to swing in Microsoft's favor as people just, you know, eventually call it acquiescing to Microsoft's pressure to become more under their platform and uh, continue to be the enterprise jugger juggernaut that they already, you know, have proven themselves today, but continue to accelerate that market cap. Yeah, Peter, I think that's a good way to put it. And now we have a chance here um, to look ahead a little bit next week. We've got, uh, earnings coming out from Workday and from Salesforce, and you've got some pretty good insights on Salesforce. So tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think Salesforce is one of the names when you talk about, uh, I'm going to pull up my screen here with some okay. of the um, when you When we talk about uh, those conversations that we have with our survey respondents, and on an ongoing basis, we're just able to maybe take the temperature and gauge the sentiment of just how often they mention a company or you know how often they mention a company positively i would say salesforce has emerged even more so during the covid period as a top of mind name that gets brought up when we ask about saas of benefiting from what is happening to the world um what i've brought up here is uh, i'm going to introduce the cloud wars community to a new respondent cut it is called the giant public and private enterprises of the world. What, we do, what we've done here at ETR is isolated Global 2000 respondents, added in Forbes 225 private, so the largest private organizations of the world, like your Cargills or your Ubers, those big enterprise wallets, and added in also federal government because of the wallets that they have capable in terms of uh, enterprise spend. So basically, we use, utilize this cut as the most important respondents in our survey uh, when we complete our survey. And you'll see here the net spending score. So again, that is the percentage of adoption plus percentage of increase, minusing out percentage decrease and percentage replace to gather an overall strength of spend, future spending intentions. And I've highlighted Salesforce here and you're seeing the delta year over year 
and also survey over survey, um, which is exhibiting you know, continued strength. So market share for Salesforce has also retained its basically leadership uh, within the entire sector uh, of enterprise applications. So, uh, and in a certain part here, even accelerated versus January 2020 survey. So uh, positive things in terms of uh, the overall, let me uh, get back up, overall strength of spend and then also maintaining the number of respondents uh, in our survey relative to the other enterprise application respondents as well. Um, they are also well aligned with, uh, regardless of those that might be decreasing their spend on COVID uh, or as a result of COVID. So I'll pull up here, Bob, you had asked uh, and talked about earlier about enterprises that may be forced to decrease their spending as a result of COVID. And what we've done is isolate Respondents to our survey that at the beginning of the survey, we asked them, what is going to be your overall IT budget impact? And what I've done is isolated all of those that have submitted a negative intention. And you could see the different options that they have here, whether it be as small as minus one to 5%, all the way down to greater than a negative 30% impact. And you'll see that Salesforce has actually strengthened its spending, uh, overall spending intentions within that subset of people. So with those people that are spending negatively uh, because of COVID or have a, had a negative but IT budget impact, their, their net score, their overall spending intentions are actually accelerating from January to April. Fascinating, fascinating. Um, Peter, what do, you, uh, what do you, do you take from this something about, you know, Salesforce, the customer company, and, you know, Mark Benioff has really made it a point of, you know, hammering home this thing that digital transformation, whatever industry, whatever type of company, it's centered around uh, reimagining and re-delivering uh, the whole engagement with customers. So um, that seems to be something that, you know, with what we've seen over the last 10 weeks, 12 weeks, you know, we've all had to become accustomed to doing commerce, buying things, looking for things, selling things in really different ways. And I'm wondering if you feel that one of the things that has given that strength here for Salesforce is that are they one of those companies that's going to help equip businesses with the ability to do business in any way that the customer wants? Yes, absolutely. And if you think about just uh, licenses and the need of an IT executive to expand those license, licenses because of what is happening, typically, you know, realistically within an organization, you might have one or two users that sit next to each other in the office and effectively share their insights or share their uh, Salesforce licenses. Now I've been speaking to CIOs around the, around the globe that have had to rapidly launch uh, Salesforce licenses to the rest of their organization, basically to maintain visibility with their employees. Um, so I think that one of the things that maybe at a higher level will come out of a work from home revolution, revolution is the need to track productivity and track engagement with employees and Salesforce is one of the tools that does that best, right? Um, I think just being, especially in a dis distributed organization uh, connectivity and being able to share information about what's vital to the uh, sales organization or even beyond in the HR organization. I think that that is going to continue to benefit a company like Salesforce. 
Uh, now will it completely counteract those that are forced to shut down entirely? Time will tell and the earnings report will tell on that, but the, the, the feedback that we have from uh, interviews with respondents that have maybe not had much of a change or are, are, are not shutting down entirely is that Salesforce is a priority for them and not only a priority, but also a tool where they have advanced their spend and have advanced their licenses out of necessity or out of need. So Peter, great stuff there from ETR. Can I ask, um, in addition to the, the surveys and uh, you know the data that you're showing here through the graphical representation, you've got quite a privileged seat in the one-on-one -on -one conversations you have with CEOs and other high-level decision makers. What, what have you uh, seen or heard that really struck you from them over the, the past month or so since we talked? Yeah, I would say, you know, part of that would be the feedback in terms of them now in a more dis more distributed uh, workplace having to expand their licenses. I would also say that the platform offering, we, we you and I did a full episode about Tableau and their uh, the development or the strengthening of that relationship with Salesforce uh, now is, I think, something that, you know, is very much coming to fruition and is also, you know, making them that much more of a valuable platform offering. You also have MuleSoft, their acquisition uh, there and the API integration offering as well, exact target in internet marketing. All of these things put together are transforming Salesforce into a platform almost similar to what we were discussing with Microsoft and cybersecurity, right? So that's the uh, holy grail of these uh, dominating ecosystems within enterprise tech. I think Salesforce is effectively moving towards that. I think one other area that is of interest and, you know, of course, uh, there's a lot of buzz around it would be the machine learning and AI uh, opportunities that Salesforce has with Einstein, especially now with the integration of Tableau. Uh, the last data point that I'll share, but it's also fueled by a lot of the positive feedback that we have from interviews, is that when you um, cut to all respondents and just simply look at the highest percentage of respondents saying that they plan to adopt the technology, in our entire survey of 334 vendors, technologies, frameworks, Salesforce Einstein is number two, and they're, they're you know, right beneath Snowflake, which is one of the hottest companies within data warehousing and completely disrupting that space, above names like Darktrace and cybersecurity, UiPath, Rubrik, SailPoint. These are some of the most forward-looking in terms of greenfield adoptions, you know, hottest names within the private VC market as well as the, the public markets as well. Uh, names that are going to materially impact the enterprise landscape and Salesforce has a product that's number two. So I, I just think that that speaks a lot about, you know, their uh, not only their current install base, but their opportunity that they have in terms of greenfield adoption as a result of their expanded platform offering. Well, Peter, you know, that, that perspective you just offered, you know, it, it, I always thought it was bizarre in, you know, women's professional tennis, they'd say, you know, about one player, ah, oh, you know, she's 21. She's, you know, just about over the hill now. You know, these 14-year-olds <laughs> are the future. But, you know, in the tech business, it's crazy. But Salesforce is 20 years old, and they're considered not legacy, but, you know, not yeah. uh, quite as uh, uh, long in the, or more long in the tooth than some of these other folks. But I guess it's just 
you know, that that sense at the top. And I thought it's interesting, right? Because uh, a few weeks ago, uh, up until a few weeks ago, they had the two CEOs. And now they've sort of flipped that it's back with Mark Benioff being the CEO. And then we've got, uh, you know, now they've got more than one president. So it's interesting how Benioff on the fly at this very, very high growth rate with a huge company behind him. He continues to tinker with the operations of the company, the product mix of the company, that presentation of what's going forward and really keeping his foot slammed down hard on the emerging technologies that allow something like Salesforce Einstein to be so visible, so credible, and to have this sort of cool factor out among enterprises looking uh, at you know, startup companies as you just described there. So it, it's really quite an achievement by Salesforce and it's gonna be fascinating to see uh, you know, what their numbers look like next week. Yeah, no, it's uh, very exciting to see. I, I'm, I'm most curious to see if they're able to counteract the just overall slowdown, right? And I think that that's the question that uh, a lot of people are asking and still maybe analyzing with even some of the results that were revealed over the course of the past few weeks with the other enterprise behemoths. But uh, from all indications in response to our survey, I would say Salesforce is very well positioned to continue to do well. Um, our organization does not make calls on the quarter. That's not our type of business. We're you know, best in understanding the, the tectonic shifts or the year over year accelerations or decelerations in spend. But I would say Salesforce is very well positioned to continue to achieve those high growth rates that they have historically. Um, but, you know, now even on a larger platform, so yeah. on a larger, larger install base. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be exciting to see. And, uh, you know, what I can maybe wrap up is that we're positive. <laughs> okay. Uh, can I ask Peter quick, two other things? Um, yep. one is just looking back at some of the other big companies that released earnings around March 31st, anything from your survey results or your one-on-one -on -one conversations that you want to share? Sure. I, you know what? I think that it might be beating a little bit of a dead horse, admittedly, but we have a saying around our office, there's uh, three certainties in life, death, taxes, and good spending data on Microsoft. Uh, so I think that Microsoft is very, uh, like we've compared Microsoft to Salesforce over the course of this conversation and call uh, Microsoft the father vampire of this, uh, you know, revolution of a platform uh, based enterprise or, you know, leveraging a large install base and then expanding out in pervasion. I think that Microsoft is continuing to win. Uh, they're winning in Azure over, a, over AWS and Google, I think catching up to AWS. Um, I think that, you know, Power BI continues to be a valuable tool in terms of people, um, you know, utilizing that potentially over a Tableau. I think Tableau has uh, come back with uh, now under Salesforce. People are, are accelerating back to it, but that doesn't mean that Power BI hasn't had its impact as well. And then Teams. Teams versus Slack. I think that, you know, that is something that our data picked up on very, uh, very early on. And I think that that is something that will continue. Even our organization itself is practicing what we preach and moving towards Teams. And watch out Zoom because their video capabilities are probably right behind it as well, too, in terms of the collaboration effort. So I think that, you know, when you look at Zoom's valuation, there's a lot of, a lot of downside opportunity there if Microsoft can uh, better their, their video conferencing platform and, and get things uh, more, up, more up and running on the team. So that, that'll be an interesting dynamic to see play out over time as well. Oh, great. Thanks for that, Peter. My last question is, 
I have not had the opportunity to come physically to your office, but as I look over your left shoulder, there's some about that office. It seems familiar. What, what, what's going yeah. on? There? Unfortunately, we are not in a WeWork or a co-office sharing situation with uh, the office. So unfortunately, Stanley Hudson is not my desk mate. <laughs> but uh, for today, he is, you know, trying to bring a little bit of levity to the situation. But uh, yeah, so well done. I, uh, I appreciate the appreciate comedy. We had Seinfeld last week. I almost decided to keep it in honor of Jerry Stiller and RIP his passing, but we moved on to the office this week. Well, I'm excited to reveal my uh, my office setup next next. Perfect, week. perfect. <laughs> Peter, thank you as always. Uh, your your insights are great. The uh, what ETR is able to share uh, very very helpful, helping you know everybody get a grip on you know, who's hot now, who's emerging, what are some of the, the, the mega trends happening. So thanks as always for your insights. Thanks so much, Bob. It's great to be here and uh, great to see you again. I appreciate all the work that you've been putting out as well. Well, Peter, that's great. Most of all, folks, thanks to you for being with us. We hope you continue to be safe. And uh, I hope that we'll all start to see some of those 33 million Americans who have been pushed out of work by this pandemic start to get back into the market and helping to drive some of the uh, economic engine that uh, Peter Stubbe and his colleagues at ETR keep such good track of. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We look forward to seeing you next time here at Cloud Wars Live.